0: Test, test, one, two, three, test, test, one, two, three. Hey guys, welcome back to Brain Food. This is episode... Oh shit. This is episode 35. Sorry. Okay, my my car's being really loud right now, but it's about to start raining, so I really hope it doesn't start downpouring, because it really looks like it's going to. But, um, hi guys! Um... I am extremely exhausted. I have a regents tomorrow at 7.15 in the morning. So I've been studying for the past couple of days and I still have no idea what I'm doing. So yeah, tomorrow I have my algebra regents and then I graduate on Thursday. So I have a lot on my plate right now. So I thought today I would just kind of go with an easy episode, something I can just honestly babble on for hours about. So I just wanted to talk about something that I like because usually I, I usually write out my stuff and I wrote out some titles today and I was trying to make it complex and like layered but I just wanted to do something that I like talking about which is music and art and film and those are complex things but they're easy for me to talk about sometimes I feel like I get in my head sometimes and try to make something really philosophical and you know analyze it and try to make a piece of artwork out of it. But sometimes it just doesn't come to me. And today it's just not coming to me. I'm having not an off day, just I'm exhausted. I've been exhausted for the past week. I worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I got home at like 12 after getting there at like two thirty, three o'clock. So I've had, you know, a long three days and I'm absolutely exhausted. And I'm not, not that I'm not in the mood, I just... I need to give myself a break and just talk about something that I enjoy. And, you know, not that I don't enjoy talking about the other stuff. It's just usually I prepare for those kinds of episodes. And today, I'm kind of just thinking about what I want to talk about. And if I think about it too hard, then it won't be good. Um, It should just naturally come to me and then I think about it. But, yeah, today I'm just going to talk about art and film. Like, my favorite films, my favorite music, why I like the music, why... I listen to the music artists that I do and see if you guys listen to the artists for the same reasons that I do. Um, also, just a reminder, um, Brain Food does have a podcast, uh, Brain Food podcast does have a Twitter now, so I'll, you know, link that below on any on any of the platforms that you're listening on. Um, but yeah, I just want to make a Twitter so I can do more polls and try to get kind of a following on there. I do have an Instagram and a Facebook, but I feel like Twitter's more of a good platform to kind of try to expand as much, um, information on the podcast as I can. And I do have a website and I just designed a logo yesterday and I think it's the final, you know, cut. And I, you know, I posted it on my Instagram and I'll post it on the Twitter, but anyway, I'm rambling. Um, okay. So I made a list and I'm, you know, I'm going to go through each one and explain why I like it and you know, why I listen to it or why I enjoy consuming it okay so first damn by kendrick lamar you know not my favorite album by him but i think you know storyline wise and production wise it's his best album but i love the damn album because the first and the last song you know it kind of reminds me of taxi driver at the end of the movie in in the at the end of the movie you kinda get like this rewind moment of the entire movie just kinda happening and if you you know, play the end of the movie and the last shot of it is the beginning of the movie. So you don't know whether I don't want to spoil the movie, but you don't know whether it's the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning. It's kinda like a mind fuck kind of kind of album because you go through the storyline, like the first song is called Blood and it's about Kendrick you know seeing this blind woman and helping her and then he gets shot by her and a gunshot noise goes off and then you listen to the whole album and it's just about him and his life and it's it's not as experimental as To Pimp a Butterfly is or his newer album but it's more of just an emotional album of him just saying exactly how he feels and why he feels the way that he does um And at the end of the last song, a gunshot happens, and then the entire album is rewinded backwards within, like, 30 seconds, and then you hear a gunshot noise, which is the same exact thing that you hear in the first song. I don't know. I just think that—and I talk—I'm gonna think I'm gonna talk a lot about Kendrick in this episode because he is just such a complex— artists especially when it comes to the projects that he does they're always complete and finalized projects there's no loopholes there's no plot holes in any of his stories I mean rarely and they always have like a distinct but really complicated meaning to it and I think that's what makes artists like him great I think because he's So philosophical and he analyzes everything that he writes And that there's meaning to every single line and every single word It's not just him rapping or creating art for the attention of it It's to get a point across It's to help people and to help himself Rather than, you know, most music artists now, you know, starting off that way And starting to help people because they love the art of it Because they love writing and they love playing music and then they get the reward for that. And then, you know, they take advantage to it and it gets to their head. I feel like Kendrick is someone who's, you know, an authentic artist. He comes out with projects and then he goes back into hiding and works in his art and focuses on his art and then nothing else. He doesn't, he's not so much into the social media aspect of being an influencer. And he's an influencer because of how powerful and how strong his art is, not because you know, he's online telling us his every single move. Like, he's just a real person, just like anyone else. And I think he's very clear about that in every single one of his albums, that he's not someone that everyone should look up to, but should, you know, relate to, not to, you know, cherish. And that that's another thing. Like, in his new album, um, The Big Steppers, like, his main... My main favorite song is, like, I'm Not Your Savior, and it's just, like, him talking about how, yes, he is, he considers himself very intelligent, and he considers himself an artist, but at the same time, for people to worship him, like like a god or as a savior and expecting him to come out with these big and beautiful projects every single time and to hit the nail on the head every single time is not realistic and not fair, not only to himself, but to his fans because they have these high expectations of him. And if they fail, then he loses all of them. And he talks about that and from, you know, to Pimp a Butterfly. And then he talks about it in damn, and then he talks about it in his new one, because it's obviously something that he struggles with is this complex within himself that people perceive him as that he's a god basically and he doesn't want that he wants you know to relate to people and to help people but not in the way where he's expecting praise for it and I think that's one of the best parts of why I love him so much he's not superficial and he's just authentically himself and is a real person just like anyone else like he doesn't put himself in the limelight like most artists do like yes he's in the public eye but not for the reasons why most people like being in the limelight he's there to you know prove a point and get a point across he's, he's not there for his own personal to build his own personal ego um but yeah um Chipimple Butterfly is his sec- third album I think yes his third album came out in 2015 I honestly think that to Pimp a Butterfly is one of the best written albums of all time, story te- storytelling-wise, and I think my order goes good um, to Pimp a Butterfly, Mad City, Damn, and then his new one. I don't think his new one is as as good as his other pieces of work, but Damn, Damn has a great production level, but it kind of lacks the storytelling to pimp a butterfly has and mad city is just like fantastic album it has so many like hits on it it's like but nothing will ever amount at least for me to pimp a butterfly because every single song just progressively gets better and better like the beginning starts with kind of a happy go lucky sound for that's like kind of like the three first songs and then it gets into His deeper feelings and his feeling of anger and resentment. And at the end of each song, and there's 15 songs, I believe, but he repeats a poem that he wrote, which is literally sums up the entire album, but you only find that out at the end of the song, at the end of the album, and the last song that's like 12 minutes long, which is my favorite song off the album. But he keeps giving us little snippets of this poem that he's writing, and I don't know, I just think that when a project or a piece of art is perfectly written, I feel like you find yourself, like, kind of yearning for more, but also confused at the same time. And at and what what separates an album from good to great is when you can piece it all together and it makes sense and everything kind of comes together at once and you have that, like, aha moment. I think that's what separates good artists from great artists. Because Tyler is, to me, a great artist inside and out and he's a jack of all trades but sometimes that you know goes against his favor and in the fact of he doesn't have the same storytelling skills as Kendrick Lamar does or J. Cole does but he has the look and he has the enthusiasm and he has the spark to himself that Kendrick and J. Cole don't have um you know they have that visually like Tyler has like this visually creative mind where he can think of something in his head and then put it down on a piece of paper and then put it in a music video and it's amazing. I feel like when it comes to Kendrick or J. Cole or even Kanye sometimes they kind of lack that but Tyler you know it kind of goes both ways. Um, I feel like Kendrick you know is a great artist when it comes to storytelling and you know verbally he can enunciate everything that's in his head or everything that he's feeling and verbalize it perfectly. Um, But I feel like sometimes he kind of lacks the artistry of some of his music videos, which is that's just my personal opinion, but I don't I think I love Kendrick so much because of his imperfections. And I think most people don't see that. I think, yes, I think for myself, at least, I think that he's one of the greatest MCs ever personally but i don't hold him this high of a standard of if he comes up with a project and i don't like it then i don't want to listen to him anymore and i'm that disappointed where i'm that upset because this new album it wasn't the greatest but i'm not mad about it because he's shown that he's capable of doing amazing and great things um okay next thing i have on here is <clears throat> the kod album by j cole um It's basically about how he watched his mother struggle with addiction and then that caused him to struggle with his own addiction problems and how, yes, he's rapping and, you know, writing about using drugs and doing drugs with other people, but the album at the top of it and the artwork says, fuck, I forgot what it says, but it says, like, in no way does this romanticize drugs or something like that, which I think is a great message because I feel like when you listen to rap, especially all you hear is drugs and alcohol and all of this. And it kind of puts this idea in your head that, okay, like, you know, almost overdosing and, you know, giving yourself alcohol poisoning is okay. And, you know, and then that can kind of reflect how you act when you drink or you smoke or you take pills. And even if you're not doing it with the intent of being stupid and being reckless, you surround yourself and, and are listening to every day, how it is normalized in, in pop culture and, and then you do stupid shit and then you regret it. And I just, I like how he pointed out the fact that drugs aren't something to romanticize and to show off basically. Cause I feel like we live in a world where those things are shown off and I feel, I find it kind of weird because Yes, I'm guilty of that, but now that I'm on the other side of it, I find it, you know, attention-seeking and desperate, you know, depending on the circumstance. Um, And then I have Kanye West on here. I feel like Kanye West is a very controversial subject to talk about, and it kind of sucks that it is controversial, but me personally, I think... You know, he's up there with Kendrick and he's up there with J. Cole. I feel like J. Cole is like third, then there's Kanye and then there's Kendrick. Um I have to burp, sorry. Excuse me. Um Kanye is a very complex person, like most artists are. Um I feel like Kanye is looked at as someone who is pathetic and someone who is attention seeking and Someone who's crazy and delusional and you know it's easy to on surface level see him as something like that because of some of the stuff that he does and it's not something I particularly agree with but the more and more time goes on and the more and more I listen to him you realize he's a very very damaged person and I feel like you know everyone's damaged in their own ways and I feel like it's never a competition, and it's not something to ever compare yourself to, but you look at Kanye, and, you know, he lived in Chicago with his mother, and, you know, not that he grew up, you know, dirt poor, but he didn't have a lot of money, and his mom was his greatest supporter when it came to music, and he was a producer, and he was making beats for Jay-Z and all these big, big-time rappers at the time, and... As soon as he wanted, you know, to create his own music, create his own personal image and do what he wanted to do, people laughed in his face. And, you know, that obviously would anger anyone if you have strong ambition and drive and you try to show someone and you try to explain it to someone and all they do is fucking laugh in your face, you're going to be pretty pissed off and angry and resentful. And... I don't know if anyone's watched the new Genius on Netflix but there's multiple clips of Kanye going into these these studios and production centers and he's going and showing them his beats and music and he's extremely proud of it and he's going you know going the distance to go out of his way to you know make his dreams come true basically and these producers and you know label records just you know either blatantly ignore him or laugh in his face and I feel like when you come from somewhere where you're you're laughed at or you're mocked, it makes you a very, very angry person and it makes you a scared person because you don't want that to happen regardless of how successful you are. You never want that to happen again because it's an awful feeling. And I personally connect with that to myself, honestly, under, you know, different circumstances, but I feel like being bullied as a child and, you know, being teased and tormented and, you know, whatever it was by kids my age... I find it very difficult to make new relationships and, you know, create deep relationships with people because I am terrified of that feeling alone. And I don't know how to explain the feeling, but the feeling of being teased, it's an awful feeling, especially growing up like that when I when I start to, you know, feel like that's going to happen, you know, in the near future or you know, in the future of a relationship, I just cut it off before it can even happen. So I, I see someone like Kanye and I see how resentful and fearful he is of that happening. That, you know, after he became successful and after he made all of this money, he built a wall around himself basically and created this fake persona to distract, you know, the public's eye of his real self basically. And his real self is only prevalent in his music, obviously, because when you listen to his music and then you see him, they're very different people. I feel like he tries to distract himself from the public eye to make sure that nobody sees his real emotions because he's so scared that people will make fun of him. And even, even seeing the whole thing with his, you know, his Trump campaign and, you know, his presidency thing, my personal belief is that that was all a facade and I feel like a lot of people don't see it that way but I to me it's very clear that he doesn't even believe in most of those things he just is making sure that people don't see the damaged Kanye or the the vulnerable Kanye so they so they're just gonna stick a knife in him and he's scared that's gonna happen so he just acts you know crazy and not to say that he doesn't have his own mental issues and you know mental illness but I feel like he over amplifies it to make sure that nobody sees his vulnerable self I mean even after his grandmother and his mother dying and he feels at fault for that I can't even imagine the guilt and pain and shame that he feels within that even though it's not his fault it's not something you really recover from in a lifetime so that's why I love Kanye's music and Kanye is a person um let's see Nina Simone. Um, I don't know if you guys know who Nina Simone is, but she was a 50s and 60s soul singer. And I grew up listening to her. And she has a very bold and masculine, but also like feminine voice at the same time. And it's very soul and jazzy. And I I grew up on that. And I think that's why I love rap so much. Because you listen to soul music and it has like the same rhythm and the same beat. As rap does, and it has the same writing, because rap is just poetry, because you're rhyming, and you're creating beats, and it's just, you know, drums and bass, and it's all it really comes down to, and that's what a lot of soul music is. Um, But yeah, I think that's why I love R&B and rap and alternative rap so much now, because I grew up listening to a lot of soul and jazz. So yeah, okay. Mid-90s soundtrack and Taxi Driver soundtrack. So I feel like what makes or breaks a movie is the soundtrack. I feel like the placement, especially when it comes to movies, if you don't create a setting right and then you add the wrong music, it feels off. And I feel like two movies that, you know, put perfect placement of, you know, a soundtrack was Taxi Driver, which is one of my favorites ever. I can listen to that soundtrack on repeat for hours um, it's very soul, it's very jazzy, there's no lyrics or anything, it's just light drums, saxophone, and that's honestly really it, that's all it really comes down to, and it just sets the perfect setting, because the movie's about loneliness, and the movie's is about isolation, and feeling stagnant, and feeling alone, and you add a soundtrack that is very smooth sailing, and you know, doesn't really change pitch a lot unless there's a moment of anger or a moment of pain sets the scene perfectly because, you know, if it's just the same beat and the same drum and the same beat, it's just stagnant and slow and the same. And that's how the character feels in the movie. So that's why I think I love that soundtrack so much. Um, mid nineties as well, like Atticus Ross, um, guy from nine inch nails, like, has made so many movie soundtracks that are, like, fantastic. I think he's in the Music Hall of Fame now, but... Mid-90s alone is one of my favorite movies because of the soundtrack. It is... I I don't even know how to explain it. It is just amazing. He did the soundtrack for The Social Network, I think. And he also did it for... I think he also did it for Lady Bird, too. Um, But yeah, it's just he always sets a scene perfectly for a movie with his music. And I feel like um, mid-90s is about this 10, 12-year-old kid growing up in L.A., and he has an older brother, and his mom's a single mom, and and he feels like he can't really make friends his age, so he becomes friends with older kids, and the music is just perfect. There's um, a clip from the end of... Um New Slaves by Kanye West in that movie where it's Frank's, you know, section at the end and it is just gives me goose like literal goosebumps every single time I watch it. Um amazing film, amazing soundtrack. Uh Goodwill Hunting. Top three movies in my in my book of like fantastically written movie. And it was written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck when they were in college, and it was a college assignment. And they just they had to write a, a script or part of a script or part of a an act, and they wrote a forty page, um, movie. And then they moved to LA and made this movie. And it is one of the best written scripts I have ever seen in my entire life. It's not only it feels like an authentic. Um, authentic, it's like just authentic commun- communication and conversations, it feels real it doesn't feel like something that someone writ- wrote down and had someone go action and then it feels just like kind of like cold and just looks like someone's reading off of something I think the music is fantastic, I think the actors are fantastic it has Mini Driver, Robin Williams Ben Affleck, Matt Damon it's about this kid who lives in boston and he works as a janitor at harvard and the the guy's a genius and you know the professor would write um equations on the chalkboard for people and the students to solve and will is like the name of the kid would solve the equations and you know he they kind of dive into his character of why he doesn't leave boston and you know the way he handles his relationships and. I feel like every single time I watch it... I feel like I'm watching an alternative universe of myself. And I think that's why I love the movie so much. It is just a bittersweet movie. But at the same time, it has a great ending and a great story. And Robin Williams is fantastic. Matt Damon is fantastic. It is just... The dialogue is amazing. Um, Okay, what else? I... I wrote how much a dollar cost that's from the Pimpa butterfly album and I think that's a great message too it's basically about um a homeless man disguised himself as god and Kendrick is you know rich and famous at this point you know after he'd become successful he comes back to Compton where he's from and there was a homeless man asking him for money and you know Kendrick just assumed he was going to use it for drugs and he kind of shied him away but before Kendrick was was famous he probably would have helped the man and probably would have given given him the money despite you know if he was going to use it for drugs or not because Kendrick is a good person but his message was basically you add ego and you add money and wealth and fame and you know it changes your perception of the world it makes you arrogant it makes you selfish and basically the whole story explains how he didn't give the money to the old man and you know he you know undisguised himself and he was god and he was like now you don't have a place in heaven and that's your punishment um so that's why it's called how much a dollar cost it's basically just the whole i think the whole theme of the pimple butterfly is respect and how Kendrick learned it after moving out of Compton and he went back, despite his fame and success, he went back to Compton to teach his his friends and his family and his town, you know, the virtue of respect. Um, yeah, I just think it's a great message overall. It's a fantastically written album. Um, okay. Lady Bird. Um, I love Lady Bird. It, it's not... It's just a feel-good movie for me. I feel like I can watch it a million times because it's a coming-of-age movie. And I feel like I connect with the relationship between the mother and the daughter. You know, not that it's toxic or abusive or anything. You just... You grow up with a stern mother. And you you yourself is someone who is very sensitive but also very stern at the same time. Because you're, you know taught and raised by an independent woman but fundamentally my mother is a very stern independent strong woman and my my you know in myself I'm you know all those things as well but I'm also very sensitive and I'm also very vulnerable and I get hurt very easily and my mom kind of lacks those things and you know not that that's her fault it's just the woman who my mom is and I'm grateful for her grateful for her lessons it's just when you put these two personalities together that are bound to clash, it always seems like the other person's fault or vice versa. And I feel like that's why I love the movie so much because, you know, that's real life. You know, not all people are supposed to get along. You're not You're not automatically supposed to get along with your parents just because they're your parents. Your personalities could clash very easily, but, you know, you still love them because you're, they're your parents. But you can't expect to get along with everybody in the world and, you know, get mad about it when it doesn't work out, you know, I think as a generation, we are all very, very, very divided and different people, but I think our ability to sometimes come together is great, but at the same time, we can't all expect to see eye to eye on every single issue. All that we can do is just, you know, agree to disagree and act like human beings, and I think that's, you know, not the message of Lady Bird, but, you know, it kind of puts life into perspective for you, because... You know, we're taught to, you know, treat people with kindness and and try to understand each other's views, but at the same time sometimes our personalities clash and we can't really help that. All we can really do is just keep treating each other with respect. Um Okay, I wrote mid nineties. Oh, specifically Zendaya's performance in Euphoria. I myself I enjoy watching Euphoria. I'm not going to say that I don't. But, you know, sometimes it feels a little too over-romanticized. And it feels kind of unrealistic. But the emotion feels realistic. But it's just, you know... The execution sometimes feels a little bit off to me. And it's not really a realistic show. Um, I think the writing's great. The cinematography is out of this world amazing. But I feel like sometimes the story, you know, lacks... Stability. I think sometimes there's a lot of plot holes and I don't really... The story goes up and down a lot, but not in the way a script should flow. It kind of just feels like, you know, there's a really great episode and then the next episode kind of sucks. And then there's, you know, and then there's kind of a middle one and then it's a great one. But Zendaya never fails to, you know, perform amazingly. Like, I think... She had a lot to do with the writing with the character of Rue, and she had done a lot of, you know, script writing and story writing when it came to her character, and I feel like she perfectly embodied the character that is Rue. And I feel like, you know, I don't completely connect 100% with the character, but when it comes to a lot of her emotional stability and addiction issues and, you know family issues, I, I do relate to those things, you know, not to the full extent, like I said, but, you know, you see, you see your life played out right in front of you, but as a different person. And it's not only scary to see, but it's an extreme wake up call of like, wow, that's how other people perceive me. And that's how everyone perceived me, you know, watching this. You're like, what if, what, what if they're thinking of me while watching this? Because that seems a lot like me. And I remember um, watching season one when it came out in 2019 and being like, wow, this, you know, character is a lot like me. But I wasn't really embodying that that char- character on the outside. I just felt it internally. And when the second season came out, you know, when everyone, you know, found out that she, she relapsed and was using again and her family found out, it, it was more of the family-oriented story that I connected with most because... My family didn't know for a while that I was struggling with that. And, you know, they had caught me a couple of times. And those are some of my biggest outbursts in my life, I feel. I feel like some of my most violent moments are associated with my parents. Either finding something in my room or, you know, finding something I wasn't supposed to have. Finding drugs, finding alcohol, finding text, finding, finding, you know, me fighting with people. Those are some of the biggest... Violent moments in my life, and I feel like when I watched season two, watching how similar, almost to the exact point and exact words used, it was not only scary to watch, but it was it was so you know horrifyingly accurate. After watching it, I really reevaluated you know how that moment went in my head, you know present tense because at the time I saw it as it's my mom's fault she shouldn't be going through my shit and I didn't absorb the feeling of you know maybe I fucked up maybe a 14 year old shouldn't be having you know like vape pens and weed and pills and you know for so long I had I remembered it in my head as you know my mom starting the problem and you know this wouldn't have happened because of this and you see your life played out in front of you through a character and it's just very eye opening of like you know i knew i got angry and i knew i got violent but i've never seen it from the third you know third per- third person perspective and it was just i think that's why i love film so much because if you write if you write a character really well and perfectly a lot of people connect with it and i think that's what makes Rue's character you know very successful because a lot of people do relate not only with her emotional level but when it comes to her relationships how flaky she could be you know her lying manipulation and I feel like you know a lot of people see those things as bad and yes you know they are bad they are not good things to do but at the same time they're real things and you know it just depends on how you write the script or how you write the character. Are you you promoting those things or are are you just showing them as how they are? And I feel like that's why Euphoria's characters can be really, really great sometimes because they just show them as they are and let the viewer perceive them. They don't really romanticize the fact that there's lying and, you know, drug use. And when it comes to Rue's character, especially in the second season, they really pound down on the fact that we don't want to like Ruth's character because she's fucking up and being a bad person. And I feel like, you know, that's what makes her character so great. Um So how much time are we at? Watch me be going on. Like I literally told you guys, like, I could talk about this forever. We're at thirty five minutes. I wrote Call Me by Your Name end monologue. Okay. Personally it I think Call Me by Your Name it's a good movie that's as far as I'm going to go I think the movie's great I think visually it's good I think the way it's shot sometimes there's a lot of still shots and you know there's not really a lot of flow to the movie it kind of just feels like a shot for shot take and it feels kind of dull personally but I know it's based off of a book and that can be really really hard sometimes you know make an adaptation um I just feel like the movie's praised a lot because they're these two straight actors and they play gay characters and it's like, oh my god, Timothy Chalamet and whatever that guy's the big guy's name is, are making out. So, that's my personal opinion. But I think the end monologue is, honestly, not only a fantastic performance by the actor, but so well written and so well executed to the fact of I wrote it down in my notebook and I read it sometimes when I'm having a hard time or when I'm going through a relationship moment that I'm not you know particularly enjoying at all um, I think I wrote it down let's see I think I have it on Pinterest but there's like it's like a two minute sequence and he's basically talking about how The main character, Elio and Oliver. Oliver's the older guy and Elio's 17 and the guy's a lot older than him and they have this relationship and at the end of the movie, spoiler, Oliver leaves and goes on to marry another woman and, you know, obviously Elio is like crushed and heartbroken and, you know, it's in the 80s so he can't really like tell his parents... You know that he's gay because God knows what his parents would have done to him at that time, like you don't know um but yeah they wrote he wrote, we rip so much out of ourselves to be cured of things faster, and we have less to offer each time we start with something new that we go bankrupt by the age of thirty, but to make your feel but to make yourself feel nothing so as not to feel anything at all, what a waste I think. I don't know why that resonates with me so much but I think the line of like that first line of <laughs> we rip so much out of ourselves to be cured of things faster. Um I feel like if not all or every single one of my relationships when they go bad I don't particularly get angry. I say what I need to say and I run away most of the time. And I spend the following next two to three months feeling absolutely nothing. And it has been harder every single time. Every single time I go and try to make a new friend. It has been so hard to open up each time because I am so terrified that it's going to end up the same way, that it always does. And that is nothing but at the fault of my own. But I think it resonates with me so much because it is painfully true. I feel like every single time I see something about to go wrong or something about to go bad, I either self-sabotage or I leave as fast as I can with no explanation, you know, no warning and I'm gone and they never see me again. And if they if they do hear from me, it's me explaining why I left very bluntly. And it's not something I'm proud of. And I feel like, you know, the philosophy of... There's a certain, like, double standard to understanding yourself emotionally. And to understand yourself, not completely, but mostly... And understand, you know, why you do the things, um, why you do the things you do and, you know, the reasons of why you feel the way you do and, you know, your tactics and your habits and your relationships and just to understand why you do those things. There's a certain, you know, brilliantness to it, but there's also a really, really bad effect to that as well because you go into every relationship knowing what's going to happen or you know having a feeling of what's going to happen next whether that's good or bad and you kind of manipulate the entire situation to make sure that it doesn't go wrong and you create this perception of yourself that's not even you anymore it's you know the version of what you think the other person is going to like to make sure that they don't leave you and Every time I get out of a relationship or I slowly fade away from a relationship, I try to make a new one, and I feel like I've become a very, very hard shelled person. And with my current friendship right now, it has taken me a year to fully open up. And maybe that's not abnormal to hear, but I am usually an open book when it comes to, you know, talking about my emotions and being open and real with people, but for the past year and a half, it has been extremely hard for me, and I've had this prosperance of, you know, and this surplus of, of happiness and balance and not only... Consistency, but just pure happiness with myself and, you know, my physique and my nutrition and my mindset and just everything within myself has been really great. But when it comes to my relationships, it is very hard to try to understand that. And I, d- the thing is, I do understand it and I know why I do the things that I do and I know why. I act the way I act. But my problem is I can't stop it. Like, I know how I can stop it. I know what I can do to stop it. It has just been painfully hard to try to do it, basically. to Because I've, I've had these huge, you know, culture change and narrative switches in my life for the past year and a half. Where, you know, I've had all these really, really bad habits and self-deprecating, I don't know if that's the right word, <laughs> these degrading, you know, habits, basically, of, you know, drug addiction, um, you know, anger, anger, like, you know, con- like really badly condensed anger issues and, and volatile, you know, problems and I've, I've you know, taken the step to fix all of those things. And I, I think I have, you know, to an extent. And the one thing I, ca- I can't change about myself is my fear of abandonment and, you know, my attachment issues and just the way I am able to get close to another human being has been, you know, I, debilitating is the only word I can use it is so extremely hard for me to be close to someone and I'm I've been trying my hardest for the past year and a half and I can't seem to do it right and I never had an issue before this past year that's not true like I haven't had you know I wasn't self-aware of it I think I think my self-awareness and my clarity within my mind was able to to construct a foundation of why I am the way I am. And now that I'm aware of it, I'm terrified of it. And, you know, I don't know how we got here. (laughs) Like, honestly, like, I went from, like, talking about film to, like, me (laughs) talking about my relationship issues again. But I guess that's the fun part of this podcast. It just kind of flows into the next subject. Um... But, yeah, I just I think that's why that that last monologue kind of sits with me so well. Um, I don't want this episode to be too long because it's getting dark out and it's kind of scary. Um, so I'm just gonna la- like list some of these movies that I really like. Uh, excuse me, okay, the eternal not the not the eternal sunshine of the Spotless Mind fantastically written movie. I'm just going to name my favorite movies. I'm not going to really explain why. I'm just going to give you some suggestions. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It has, uh, is there Kate, is her name Kate Winslet? I think it is. And it has Jim Carrey in it. Jim Carrey's the main guy. It's a girl from Titanic and just fantastically written relationship movie. It's really, really good. It's a really good movie for if you're experiencing a breakup. Or going through, you know, a friendship breakup or just feeling the absence of another person. It's a really good movie for that. Um, Beautiful Boy is really good. It has Timothy Chalamet. It's a movie about addiction and, you know, sobriety. If you don't, you know, resonate with those things, then it probably won't be the movie for you, but I think Timothy Chalamet's performance in it is really, really um, well-performed as as well as steve carell i think he doesn't really do a lot of serious roles and you know the first (laughs) role that he does that's pretty serious he does it incredibly so moonlight's a great movie it's an a24 film a24 films really have a habit of you know really perfectly coloring a movie and i think that's why i love it so much social network atticus ross did the um the soundtrack for that which was also the soundtrack for mid-90s great movie good time has robert pattinson it's a pretty independent film and it's pretty low budget film and i think robert pattinson does these very high production films like twilight and batman and all of these crazy priced highly priced production films and he does an independent film and he did it perfectly i think it's a really 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 well performed and well written script um marriage story music placement amazing Marriage Story, the movie in itself, I think the script is kind of bland. I think Adam Driver's performance is great. Scarlett Johansson, I think she was kind of bland. Movie by itself is, if you don't like dramas, not for you. It's kind of very rom commy, but like also like serious. I think the cinematography and the music placement in the movie is really great. The way the movie's saturated and colored is really really great. It has like, this yellow tint to it with, like, highlights of, like, orange and, and also, like, these gray tones, too. I think it's really colored really well, too. Um, Batman saturation coloring. The cinematography in that movie was insane, and, like, the consistent coloring was crazy with the red and the orange and the black. There's not one shot in that movie where I wasn't, like, completely mesmerized by the, the coloring. Um, Silver Linings Playbook. Insane performance by Bradley Cooper and, um, Jennifer. Oh my God. What's her name? Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence is like a fantastic actor and I love her. And I think she's a really cool person, like outside of her acting job. I think she's super funny and she, you put her in any role and she'll fucking, you know, do a great job. Um, I liked the soul, you know, the soul music placement euphoria. And I talked about that at the beginning of the episode, I think her character and her, her arc of highs and lows and i think the music placement for rue's character in particular is really really good um black kk Klansman's a really really well well written movie that has adam driver in it too and the guy from tenant i forgot his name um tenant's a good movie too that movie has travis scott music in it it's insane movie it's like inception it's really really good um how much time are we at i think we're almost at 50 minutes what the frack? 48. Okay. All right. We're getting too long. Um, like I said, follow the Brain Food Podcast on Twitter. I'm going to link it in the episode. Um, follow, you know, go check out my website at katwisnessy.com. That's K-A-T-W-I-S. I just spelled my own last name wrong. I need to redo that. Holy shit. That's at K- That's K-A-T-W-I-S-N-I-E-S-K-I. Dot com. I have it in my Instagram bio and that's at cat with snesky too. I'm not going to respell it because if I respell it and I spell it wrong, I'm going to like literally kill myself. That was so bad. Um, but yeah, I'm going to come out with logos. I'm going to start selling stickers on my website. I will, I always link everything in my, um, in my RSS feed. So everything is going to be there. Um, I will see you guys next Tuesday. Um, thank you for the fantastic list, you know, fantastic listeners, everyone who listens. My listeners have gone up so much within the past week. I literally have like 200 listeners a week now. It went from like 50 to like 200 within the past week. So anyone who's new and listening, I appreciate your time and the time you take out of your day to listen to what I have to say. I will see you guys next Tuesday. Bye.